Well done, Susan. Andy, Mark, and Bob. Thanks. Thanks for leading us. Tell them thanks. They, uh, they got up real early and slid in for us. Thank you. The flowers are in celebration of David Van Zahn's promotion. And that's exactly what happened. David got promoted to be with Jesus, and now he's, uh, he's doing real well in his eternal home with the Lord. Keep praying for Betty, but that's what all the flowers here are, are all about. Uh, on the loving like Jesus front, you know you're still in the CIA, right? Right? What's CIA stand for? Christians in what? Action. Yep. And you, uh, you are watching and reporting, right? And that's the uh, email address. So when you see somebody loving like Jesus, please send an email in. Uh, somebody said uh, there was some loving person who noticed a few weeks ago when I was hurting and crying and they didn't know me and I didn't know them. They introduced themselves. They gave me a hug. They even prayed for me. And uh, I just want to say thank you for uh, loving even a stranger, somebody you didn't know, loving me like Jesus. That was well done. Another wrote of a businessman in the area uh, who helps financially with an ongoing struggle, this person they said they have in my life. Uh, they said this person uh, comes to church, but they were especially excited to report they don't just love like Jesus on Sundays, they're loving like Jesus in their business as well. And uh, well done. And finally, somebody put in uh, our box a slip that says they wanted us to know that she regularly sees her grandma loving like Jesus. Uh, she said, Grandma loves me, and I know it because she's caring and kind to me. And we just want to say, good going, Grandma, because loving like Jesus begins with our family, does it not? It's great to do it out, out and around, and we want to be doing that, but it starts at home. And this grandma clearly is letting uh, the love of Jesus flow through her to her grandkids. Nice job. We are in uh, week number 10 today in our journey through the story, Genesis to Revelation in 31 Sundays. Today's number 10, which means we're about one-third of the way through uh, our journey through God's Word. Today we are in the book of 1 Samuel, so if you have your Bible or if you have the journey, go to chapter 10, and we're going to look at the first half of the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, this is the time when Israel decided they wanted to be like everybody else. They, they wanted to be like all the other nations. They, di they didn't want to be unique and different. They wanted to blend in. This is kind of maybe like the junior high years, Ron, of, of Israel, because uh, a lot of times when you're in junior high, you, you don't want to be unique. You want to blend in and be like everybody else. Uh, Myron, do you remember uh, when we were in junior high? Um, we wanted to be like everybody else. Uh, when I was in junior high, the fashion dictated big old bell bottoms, uh, longish hair, um, and uh, I, I recall doing my own tie-dye t-shirts. Uh, it, it was not a good look. It, it was not. I look back at pictures and say, oh, somebody should have been more honest with me. Uh, but here's the truth. I fit in. I fit in. I look like everybody else. 
so anyway, that's what's going on here in 1 Samuel. Uh, all the other nations had a human king. Uh, Israel wanted to join in and be like everybody else. Uh, if you have your Bible, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 5, uh, the people come to Samuel with a hard message. Here's the things that they said to Samuel. Chapter 8, verse 5, Samuel, you're old. Uh, meaning, uh, you're not going to be with us that much longer, Sam. Uh, and by the way, Samuel, verse 5, your sons are not godly men like you are. If your sons were godly and walked with Jehovah God like you did, we might be okay, but they don't, they don't behave like you. They don't, they don't act like you. They're not godly men like you are, Sam. So find us a human king to lead us like all the other nations have. First uh, Samuel chapter 8, verse 7, Samuel's upset. And the Lord says this to Samuel, Hey, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. I'm their king right now. You're, you're the last judge, but they're actually rejecting me because I've been their king. Jehovah has set apart Israel as his chosen people. Why? So that he could bring humankind back into relationship with himself. And he's going to do that through the nation of Israel and the coming Messiah that will come from this nation. Uh, but now they're demanding a human king. Even though it wasn't the best choice for his people, he's going to allow them to make a poor choice. And did you know the Lord will still do that with us? Uh, at, at times, he knows what's best. He makes it clear to us, and we're arguing for a different choice. No, I, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it this way. And oftentimes, the Lord will say, hey, okay, I'll let you have your poor choice. Some people call that the, the perfect will, which is his way versus the permissive will of God. Anyway, he says, okay, I'll let you have what you want, even though what you're asking for, it's going to have consequences. It's not going to be great. It's not the best choice. I'll still let you do it. And he'll do the same with us. And he'll say, okay, you want to go down that road? It's, it's going to be a hard road. It's not going to be a good choice. It's actually a poor choice, but I'm going to teach you some lessons through the consequences of your poor choice. 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1, the Lord uh, directs Samuel to a tall, handsome man named Saul, and he will be Israel's first king. And uh, Samuel is tasked with anointing Saul as the next king, and uh, he will be the king that uh, is uh, God's chosen first human king. Now, what's interesting that even though Samuel knew he was king, he was still hesitant. He got anointed by Samuel. He knows the new job is his. But in 1 Samuel chapter 10, if you have your Bible, uh, verse 17 through 20, Samuel stands before all of Israel. And he says, I'm going to draw lots and we're going to find God's choice for the first human king. So he draws out of the 12 tribes, and out of the 12 tribes, the smallest of the 12 tribes, the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, so somebody from the tribe of Benjamin is going to be the first human king. And then of the clans of Benjamin, the clan of Matri, M-A-T-R-I, is chosen. Okay, now it's down to just this small group of people. And of the clan of Matri, Saul of Kish is chosen. 
give me your eyes, Saul of Kish is chosen. Look at verse 21, chapter 10. This is kind of funny. Uh, nobody can find the new king. Nobody can find the new king. Why? Verse 22, uh, Saul was hiding in the luggage. <laughs> Literally, he was so scared, he was so intimidated, he was so frightened of being the next king, he's hiding in the luggage. <laughs> Playing hide and go seek me if you can. Um, and I just wonder if some of you today aren't in your own way hiding in the luggage. God's called you to something. You know He's called you to something. Uh, but you're thinking, but I don't think I'm smart enough. I don't think I'm clever enough. I don't think I'm gifted enough. So you're hiding in the luggage a little bit like Saul was here. First cha uh, Samuel chapter 11 is kind of like the high point for King Saul. He doesn't have a lot of high points. This is kind of like the, the peak here. The Ammonites in chapter 11 capture a major city of Israel, uh, Jabesh Gilead. And the people of Jabesh Gilead say to the Ammonites, make peace with us. Give us a treaty. We'll sign the treaty. Uh, you, you, you make the terms and we'll sign. And uh, they say, okay, chapter 11, verse 2, here's the terms. Give me your eyes. And that's exactly what they said. Give me your eye. Uh, if, if we're going to make peace with you, here's the term. We're going to gouge out your right eye. So all you men of Jabesh Gilead, if we're going to make peace with you and not destroy you and your city, uh, we're going to gouge out your eye. <laughs> and, and they said, uh, could you get a little, give us a little time to think about that? Could, could, can, we, can we chew on that for a little bit? Um, in chapter 11 and verse 6, King Saul, again, he's already been recognized as king, anointed as king, picked out of lots as king, he hears the crying of the men of Jabesh Gilead. Why? They're going to lose their right eye. Can you imagine? Just cover your right eye just for a minute, everybody. Just cover it, yeah. Okay, that's the rest of your life. And uh, if you were, listen close, if you were a fighting man, if you were a man, your right hand, that was your fighting, that was your sword hand. So, so now you can't fight anymore. You are in trouble. Uh, besides, it, it would just be a disgrace. You, you walk around, why, do, why did you lose your eye? Uh, because we lost, uh, and that was the peace terms. They gouged out. All right, so they're crying, all of them. And the Spirit of the Lord, look at verse 6, comes upon Saul, and he powerfully leads the people of Israel in defeating the Ammonites. That's the high point. That really is it. Uh, verse 15, uh, yay, we have a king, they celebrate, they sacrifice to the Lord in celebration of defeating the Ammonites. Chapter 12, Samuel gives his farewell speech. I'm, I'm leaving, that's all there is, um, I'm moving on. Uh, chapter 13, uh, King Saul now is going to go battle with some of the enemies of Israel. And first enemy that needs to get whooped on is the Philistines. 1 Samuel 13, he's going to go to battle with the Philistines. Uh, just one little problem, he's scared because Samuel hasn't showed up yet. He's, he's kind of like the man. He's, he's our, our guy between us and Jehovah God, and he's not here yet. So they, they get jittery, and he hasn't shown up. So what are we going to do? So he goes ahead, and Saul, catch with me, makes the sacrifice to the Lord. 
Instead of waiting for Samuel, the high priest, he just charges right ahead and he offers the sacrifice to God. Chapter 13, verse 13, here's what Samuel says. Bad move, Saul. (laughs) You're not going to be king long term, Saul. You, You made a really poor move here, acting as though as king you were also high priest. You never had authority to do that. Uh, The Lord's going to remove you as king. He's going to look for a man after his own heart to be the next king. That that was bad judgment on your part, Saul. Uh, It's it's time for God to move along. 1 Samuel chapter 15, slide over there. Uh, That's where we're going to spend the rest of our time today. Uh, Verses 1 to 3, here's what Samuel says to Saul. Hey, Saul, I anointed you as the first human king of Israel. Now it's time for you to listen and obey. Do I have your attention? And he says, yeah, I think, I think I, I'm listening, okay? Here's what he says. Listen carefully, verses 1 to 3. It's time to punish the Amalekites. When Joshua was leading the children of Israel back from the promise, it was the Amalekites who were awful to us. And uh, you are to completely and totally destroy them. Got it, Saul? Shake your head if you understand, Saul. Okay, okay. Uh, Saul and his army attack the Amalekites, verses 4 to 9. And they totally destroy everything except for their king Agag and the best of the sheep and the best of the cattle. Samuel now comes after they've uh, went to war. Uh, but they, let, they spared Agag, and they spared the best of the sheep and the cattle. And now we're going to read about the encounter between Samuel and Saul. Would you stand with me if you're able? Uh, this is interesting. We're going to read um, out loud together verses 12 to 23. Uh, this, this really uh, interesting and powerful encounter. You ready to read? Here we go. Early in the morning... Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder. The best of was devoted to God. 
in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he's rejected you as king. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, understand that what we just read is serious and sober and somber. And it's not just dusty old history, Lord. It's your living and active and alive word. And we welcome your word today in your church. So would you come and meet us? Would you teach us the lessons that we need to hear from 1 Samuel chapter 15 today? It's been a long week. Treacherous for many to get here today, but Lord, we're here in your church. We're ready to hear from you. We believe, Lord, that your word is alive and active and living and it has power for us today. It has power to correct and teach, uh, power to get us back on track, power for life. And Lord, we want to hear from you specifically what you have to say from your book to us. Just like uh, the young Samuel said in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we'd say, speak, Lord. Your servants here at Walloon were were listening. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one strong voice, you can be seated. I don't know if you know this, but if uh, you meet some folks and they're smart on things to... uh, attack Christianity about, 1 Samuel 15 is one of those attack points. How on earth could God order Saul to destroy everything that was living and had breath amongst the Amalekites? How could could a good and loving God do such a thing? So uh, let's just begin with a little uh, history of the Amalekites. They were a wicked and an evil people. Uh, When Joshua was leading the children of Israel into the Promised Land, uh, they waited for Israel to pass, and then they attacked the stragglers, the ones who kind of fell behind everybody else. The Amalekites, they preyed on the weak and the helpless, the sick, the tired, the, the young, the, uh, the elderly. That's, that's the kind of people they were. The Amalekites were vile in God's sight, and it's said that they burnt their children alive to their idol Molech. Uh, one of the most famous archaeologists uh, uh, named William F. Albright said of the Amalekites, they are perhaps the most depraved religion known to man. 
So he did a lot of digging and a lot of excavating. And his conclusion, when you see how the Amalekites worshipped, they were perhaps the most wicked and depraved religion that there's ever been. Their destruction here was reaping what they had sown. You need to understand, but the Lord still waited hundreds of years before judgment came upon them. The Lord still was giving them time to repent and turn, and like the Ninevites and Jonah, come back and recognize, but they never did that. So this is, after waiting hundreds of years, this is the judgment that they had coming. And hear the words of Samuel, verse 22. Uh, here's the judgment on this very wicked people, and now he's talking to Saul, and he's saying, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As much as in obeying the Lord? Saul, you were told, I want you to totally wipe out the Amalekites. They're such a wicked and evil people. Uh, but I'm hearing, I'm hearing sheep. They're going, how do, how do sheep go? Uh, uh, come on, say it with me. Uh, yeah. And I'm hearing cattle and they're lowing. Uh, low. Yes. I, uh, and, and, and obviously you didn't obey. To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed, to listen is better than putting the fat of the rams um, on the sacrifice. Uh, what does the Lord delight in here? Say it, say it clearly. What, what does He delight in? He loves obedience. He loves it when His children, when His followers listen and obey. I know what the Lord wants me to do, and I'm willing to choose obedience. And what is it that God dislikes and takes no pleasure in? And the answer, it's not a trick question. Disobedience, right, I heard somebody say. When I, when I choose not to do it God's way, I rationalize and I distort God's word, and I do it my way instead. How do followers of Jesus at times do this in 2016. Think with me. How are we guilty of offering sacrifices instead of obedience? Let me, let me just give you a couple thoughts. Uh, when I'm stretching the truth or getting fuzzy on the facts in order to make more money, and then I say, but don't worry, Lord, because if I make more money, even though I stretched the truth and I was a little fuzzy on the facts, if I make more money, I'll give you your share. And you'll have a bigger share uh, because of the fuzzy facts, because of the stretching of the truth. That, that would be an example. Uh, uh, when we choose to jump in the ditch of sin, and you understand what I'm saying, right? Uh, you, you know you shouldn't do something, but you go ahead and do it anyway, and you jump in sin, but then you say, but I got this bargain, Lord. I'll go to church for the next five Sundays in a row. Or I'll read my Bible for an hour every day this week to make up for that. So you and me are going to be okay, right? Because I'm going to do this really wonderful thing for you. I, I'm going to sacrifice this. I know you wanted me to obey and not jump in that ditch, but because I did it now, now we're going to be okay because I'm going to sacrifice. I know I shouldn't be watching this movie, but everybody's talking about it. 
And they'll think I'm, I'm really out of it if I don't know about And I know I shouldn't be clicking on this website, but it just popped up. I didn't go searching for it. I know I shouldn't be making this purchase because I'm already maxed out on all my accounts. But Lord, um, I, I went ahead and made the purchase. I clicked on the website. I watched the movie. So um, I'll share Jesus with my coworker this next week. Or I'll give up chocolate for a month. Or I'll get up early and pray for an hour next week. Yeah, I'm going to do something uh, that'll make up for, for what I know I should have done and done it your way. Verse 23, look what Samuel says. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. Let's just stop there for a second. For rebellion, to know what I should do, I know exactly what the Lord wants me to do, and I choose to go exactly the opposite direction. Or, or I'm going to shade it, and I'm going to go the way I really want to go. Uh, how is rebellion like divination? Um, okay, ready? Uh, rebellion and disobedience is knowing clearly what the Lord would have you to do. You tracking with me? So I know, Lord, what you want me to do, but instead of doing what I know what you're challenging me to do, I think I'm going to listen to the advice of someone else. Who would the someone else be? Well, you know, if you're going to divination, that would be a witch, a medium, uh, a palm reader. I'm going to go to somebody else. Jesus, you told me what to do, but instead I'm going to go to somebody on the other team and I'm going to listen to their advice. Except who is the other person you're actually listening to here? Who, who, who was Saul listening to? He was listening to his own advice. Okay? So I'm not going to a witch. I'm not going to a medium. I'm not going to a palm reader. I'm going to myself. And I'm going to replace what you're telling me to do with my own ideas and with my own plans. Do you, do you see the arrogance? That's, I'm making an idol out of my ideas and my plans. I've got a better idea. I'm going to do my own thing instead of uh, what I know your word says we should do. Uh, look at verse 24. What is, what is Saul still arguing? Um, but I was afraid of my men. Samuel, uh, I, I, I didn't want to king, kill the king of the Amalekites because maybe someday another king's going to look at me and then they're going to kill me. So I kind of saw myself when I look at Agag and, and I didn't want to kill him and my men, they didn't want to destroy these amazing flocks. We've never seen sheep this, this great. We've never seen cattle. This is the king of Agag's flocks. Uh, they wanted to have a prime rib dinner, victory celebration tonight. And, and, and we wanted to make some wonderful clothes with wool. Oh, and by the way, and all the rest of it, we were going we to sacrifice to Jehovah God. Do you see the rationalization? The men, you know, I, I got I to take good care of my soldiers. And, and I didn't want to kill Agag, and they didn't want to get rid of the best of this really good stuff. Uh, and here's what the Lord says. I'm not interested in extra sacrifices, Saul. I'm interested in obedience. Verse 26. Uh, but Samuel said to Saul, I'll not go back with you. You've rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Verse 27, as Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of Samuel's robe and tore it. And as Samuel turned to leave, Samuel said to Saul, 
The Lord has torn the king of Israel, the kingdom of Israel from you today. And he's going to give it to one of your neighbors, to one who's better than you. Next week, we're going to see the one who was better than him as king. Uh, but you just need to know he's not going to give up easily. He knew the Lord had said, no, no, you're not going to be my king anymore. But he wasn't going to go easily or quickly. And we'll see that next week as the new guy comes in. But Saul isn't happy about losing his kingship. Here's the question as we uh, begin to conclude right now this morning. Is there any area where you've been rationalizing or justifying what you know is wrong? That's really the heart of what Saul was doing here. He, he was rationalizing and justifying. He knew what God had clearly said through Samuel, and yet he had a better idea. Any area where you're playing, let's make a deal with the Lord? I know you said don't do this, um, and I keep disobeying, and I'm going to come and tell you why, but I'll make it up to you, Jesus. I, I know I shouldn't have done this, but I, I'm going to open up my checkbook, and we're going to make it up, or I'm going to do some extra religious thing to make up for my naughties. Okay? So we're good, right? Uh, and this, this cycle continues. Jehovah had called his chosen nation Israel to be distinct and obedient to himself. You're, you're not just any old people. You're my people. And I'm calling you to be obedient to me, to be righteous and holy and live like it so the world sees there's something different about you. Can I just say the same is true for us today, followers of Jesus? He's called us to be in this world, but what? Not, and I know that's a hard thing, but we're called, we're not just supposed to live like everybody else because we're representing Jesus to this world. It's lost and it's dying, and, and we're here as his representatives, and we're supposed to act and speak and think and live like followers of Jesus. Now Saul was giving his army a really confusing message. Would you not agree? Uh, yeah, we're going to mostly obey what Samuel said, Jehovah said to Samuel and said to us, but, but we're going we're gonna to fudge and not do it God's way where we disagree. So he, he's sending this message to his army. He's sending this message to the nation of Israel. Uh, we're going to obey except when it's not convenient to obey. And it's so easy today for us to, to follow Saul. We're, we're just a lot like Saul. I, I know I am. Um, I, I want to follow you, Lord, but, but in this area, I want to cut this corner, and I'm not going to quite do it that way, Lord. Just, just a few edges, and, and I just want you to know, when we do that, we're sending confusing messages. We really are. Here's, uh, here's the slide. Look at it. You're the only Bible some unbelievers will ever read. You and I are the only Bible. A lot of people, were in, they're never going to open up God's Word, but they're going to read us. And, and I'm saying, when we're sending confusing messages, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, and, and then they watch the way we speak, and they watch the way we cut corners, and we're, we're messing up, and, and they're saying, I, I don't get it. See the problem? 
We're called to be unique, and we're set apart. And I'm a follow- and we're messing up with our kids, and they're watching, and we're messing up with fellow believers, and they're watching, and we're messing up with our coworkers, and, and they're watching. Here's how the Apostle Paul put it, writing to the church at Rome, writing to the church at Walloon Lake. Romans 12, verse 2. Say it with me, would you? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Let's say that again. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That first part, that's the challenge. To live in this world, but not get conformed to the pattern of this world. And, and how is it that you avoid being conformed and behaving and living and speaking just like this world? How, how do you do it? it? It's by the renewing of your mind. And, and where does renewal of your mind start? Hold it up. Hold it up. Let me see. Where, where does renewal of your mind start? You've got to be people of the book. And then we've got to be people of worship. I, I think we renew our mind when we worship and we praise and we adore the Lord as we sing, as, as we pray. Renewing of your mind. I'm, I'm just saying, northern Michigan is dying for us to live obediently to Jesus. We're called. I'm, I'm his representative. And, and they need to see what a follower of Jesus really looks like. And we're the only Bible a lot of them are ever going to read. So, so what are they reading when they look at us? What are they reading when they look at you? Would you bow your heads? Would you be willing to just say, Lord, uh, when it comes to obedience... When it comes to uh, not conforming to the patterns of this world, how am I doing? Would you make yourself clear right now? Families watching me. Neighbors and friends and co-workers, they're reading what I'm all about. Lord, what are they reading? What are they seeing in me? need to know the Lord isn't expecting perfection. There was only one perfect one. And they hung him on a Roman cross. But they are looking for consistency. They're, they're looking for authenticity. It's real. They're looking for folks that when we mess up, make it right. 
Lord, thanks uh, for even examples like Saul, who did a huge belly flop more than once. Lord, uh, help us to learn from his belly flop here. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't be uh, folks who uh, are rationalizing and explaining away our disobedience. Lord, help us not to uh, be making deals with you to excuse our sin. But we'll do religious stuff here or religious stuff there. Give us the courage and the boldness to live obedient lives. Renew our minds. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the power of your spirit living in us. We don't have to do it in our own resources and uh, in our own strength, Lord. We literally have you living in us and we have your book to change our minds. Help us to get on that path. It's in Jesus' awesome name we pray. Amen.